had a funny story pop in my head yesterday. Um, having uh, Gilda up here playing the piano last night, just uh, I can't help being here and being taken back to the past and um, reminded me of a story. Um, and if you knew anything about me and Rusty Lee and Jason Wren, you knew that we were, uh, I guess, trophy pieces of obedience back then. <laughs> you thought about us three, and you thought, fine, young men. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I can't, I can't remember the exact age, but um, I think it was after church one day, um, Herbert was holding a, a vacation Bible school meeting, and uh, we were told to stay outside and uh, and play. Do not come in the building. I repeat, do not come in the building. Well, we said, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. And uh, we played outside for a little while, and then uh, I can't remember whose, whose idea it was, but uh, we just started, uh, we started exploring. And uh, we were running, running around, and outside, I think it's on this side of the building, we found a door and some steps. And I can't remember uh, what the volume was of our voices at that point, but we started running up these steps and didn't know where they led. And, uh, and got to the top of them, and about that time we saw these steps that led down into the baptismal pool here. And it didn't dawn on us that our moms were sitting in the, uh, the audience here in this meeting. And so we took off down through there. And about that time, my eyes hit. I think my mom was sitting some about probably where she's sitting right now. And I don't know if she remembers this, but I do. And my eyes caught her eyes. And you can finish the rest of the story. We had a meeting of our own when we got back home. But but uh, when the guys were singing Precious Memories, uh, that, that's a precious memory. Well, last night, if you've, uh, if you've been with us uh, yesterday and then um, last night, um, we walked through... Just uh, taking a look at our need for the gospel, um, continually needing the gospel. And yesterday we walked through Genesis 1 and 2 and then into the fall and really looking at our sin and the effects of our sin and um, how we are our biggest problem. And to realize that and see sin for what it is, it opens the door for the rest of Scripture to see our need for Jesus and why we need Jesus so bad. And so, again, I want tonight, um, I want to start by standing and, uh, and praying over tonight. So if you would, stand with me. Let's pray. Lord, again, um, just confessing, Father, uh, our need for you and um, the need we have for to hear from your Holy Spirit, to hear from you. And God, I pray, Father, um, tonight that you would just cover us and that just as you did in uh, Moses' day, that you would fill this place and that your Shekinah glory, Father, would fall upon us heavy. That your Holy Spirit, Father, your presence would fall upon us in a heavy way. Father, I pray that you would... Uh, Take all of our distractions, all the things that would seek to distract us right now and help us to focus on your word and what your word is speaking to us. And as we walk through this story tonight in Mark 6, I pray that you would show us how it relates to us and the work that you want to do in us and through us. Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you for this church. And I pray, Father, that it would continue to be a, a light, a beacon.
for truth in this community. I pray that you would bring lost sinners to this place to get healed. But Father, you have tasked us with that job to go out and get them. And I pray that every one of us would take up that responsibility and not only speak truth to ourselves, but speak truth to our neighbors. And as you've commanded us, Father, to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, that we would obey the second command as well and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And as we take care of ourselves and and speak truth to ourselves and stay in your word and minister to ourselves, I pray that we would seek to minister to others in the same way that we want to take care of ourselves. So, Father, tonight, I pray that you would speak through me, your son, and that you would use me, Father, to speak your truth. Pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. You can be seated. I wanted to start out tonight by um, just sharing a little bit of uh, the past few months of mine and Bethany's life. Um, many of you know we um, adopted um, a little boy, Zeke, Ezekiel, we call him Zeke, um, back in April. And um, that really, um, well, right before Ezekiel, uh, we got the call for him, we had started um, a home renovation. Um, we've been in the adoption process for three years and just really praying that the Lord would um, open the door to bring a child um, into our home that needed to be with us, uh, a child that needed to be um, uh, just with a family, and um, we wanted to be that family uh, for them. And uh, and that whole time, we uh, while we were praying, um, we thought it was going to be a little girl, and uh, seeing that we already had uh, four crazy little boys, um, but the Lord had different plans, and he brought um, Ezekiel, uh, to our family. And, um, we're thankful for that. And we, I was talking to, um, some folks earlier and how, um, a lot of times we're so glad that we're not the ones in charge. Um, and I was speaking on behalf of me because I make a mess of things constantly. If I'm in charge, if I take control, then I will, I will make a mess of things. And so the Lord brought us Zeke and um, we had started that home renovation, and uh, that was at, uh, I guess, the middle of March when we, when we finalized those plans, and we had really felt like uh, we needed more room in our house, and um, we felt like the Lord was given the go-ahead on that. We refinanced our house, uh, talked to a contractor, um, got the ball rolling with that. He started digging footers, and then we get the call for Zeke. And if you know anything about adoption, you know it's expensive, which to me is still crazy. We're, we're bringing a child into our home to take care of for the rest of their life. But we spend thousands and thousands of dollars to get that child in our home. But uh, aside from that, we're thankful. Um, it's crazy, but we're thankful. So we have a home renovation going on. We have an adoption going on, lawyer's fees, fees to the agencies, traveling fees, uh, back and forth, um, just all over the place. So those stresses of life start creeping in. And as we've talked about um, our sin, guess what started raising up in me? My flesh. And for me, one of my biggest struggles is I get anxious. And I get anxious because I want control. And during that same time, we had my brother-in-law, uh, Bethany's brother, moving in with us at the beginning of May. And he's a 15-year veteran um, in the Marine Corps. And um, he has suffered uh, quite a bit of um, injury from being over in Afghanistan. And so um, this past fall, he lived with us for a while while he was doing rehab. He had one hip replaced in the fall, had the other hip replaced in the spring, 34 years old. And Stephen also uh, suffers from uh, uh, PTSD. And so Stephen comes to live with us. And so now we have uh, Stephen living with us, 
which I'm so grateful for in the time that he was with us. But we had um, that, we had the home renovation, and now the adoption. Well, you can imagine, I just told you one of the things I struggle with. And now it's even gaining, uh, I guess, speed in the uh, way I'm attacking myself and my thought processes. And now you add, we're coming into camp season, our summer. And if you know anything about uh, summers at Snowbird, we have over 600 people on the property a week. And so you can imagine the preparation in the spring that goes into a summer like that for 10 weeks. Preparing for staff, preparing meals, preparing job sites, preparing recreation sites, all the planning that goes into that. So now we have the adoption, we have the home renovation, we have my brother-in-law moved in with us, and we have camp. I was going crazy on the inside, stressed out. And for me, I haven't had a struggle with my flesh like I have had this past spring and through the summer. And you can imagine the stress that it brings into not only your life, but how it filters over into Bethany's life. And for Bethany, she is wearing the same thing I'm wearing and all the stresses that I just described to you. And so we were in a battle. We were in a war against ourselves and our sin. And like I said, I haven't dealt with my flesh and had to cry out to the Lord so much as I have this past spring. Continually crying out to him, Lord, help me. Because I am freaking out here. Because I want control. I want the craziness to stop. I want it to settle down. And you know what? Sometimes he doesn't allow it to settle down. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. And for me, one thing I had to continually do, I mean every day, I had to go back to what I knew. I had to go back to truth. I had to go back to the gospel. I had to stay tethered to the gospel. The only thing that was real to me and Bethany in that time, as we prayed together, as we prayed by ourselves, as we prayed over our boys, prayed over Stephen as he was in our home, the only thing that was real to us the only thing that grounded us was Jesus. He was our only hope. Because honestly, I was losing my mind. And, and during those times, don't we try to keep it together? Like, play like everything's fine? We get prideful, don't we? And so we have another battle with our flesh and the pride and I had buddies I had friends that I wasn't reaching out to to ask them for prayer because I was prideful I wanted them to think I had everything under control but I didn't but God does he was there right with me through the whole time I want to read Ephesians 6 uh, Ephesians 1 Starting in verse 6. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through, the, through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, 
so that we who were fir- the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. That's the gospel. That's what I continually had to remind myself and preach to myself. And I continually had to go back to Philippians 4, 6 through 7. And it says, Be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication. Let your requests be known to God, and the peace which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Over and over and over, I had to keep telling myself that. Because outside of the work of the Holy Spirit with me in control, I make a mess of stuff. Constantly. And for us, faith isn't natural to us. But you know what is? Doubt. Anxiousness. Pride. Being overwhelmed. Sadness. Selfishness. And we have to be reminded of the promises that Paul gives us. Be reminded of how we were dead in trespasses and sins. How we followed the course of this world. How we lived in the passions of our flesh. We were by nature children of wrath. We have to remember how he rescued us from that. And not go back to it. Because me... When I'm in my flesh, I want to go back to what I know. And that's how to gain control. It's impatience. That's me outside of the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm impatient. I'm anxious. I get stressed out. I take it out on my family. I'm impatient with my boys. Impatient with Bethany. And I battle with my flesh. And I have to go back to him. Faith isn't natural to us, but all those things I just described are. Sin is natural for us, and we need the gospel. Turn with me now to Mark 6. We're going to be looking at a story we're probably all familiar with. It's when Jesus walks on water. We're going to be looking at verses 45 through 52. I'm going to read from, from, uh, from chapter 6 right now. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd, and after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out to sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that everything saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were terrified. terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got in the boat with them. And the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Before we look at this passage, I want to say God takes us to places we do not want to go or never thought we could go. To produce in us things we could not achieve on our own. You know what the Bible calls this? Grace. In these instances where we are freaked out and asking, where is God in all of this? We are looking for the grace of relief or the grace of gentleness. And sometimes God brings that. But a lot of times what God is actually doing in us at these times is the grace of refinement. He wants to grow us. He wants to stretch us. He wants to mold us. 
If we are going through a difficult time, experiencing hardships, we must not assign to it that God is being unfaithful or not paying attention to us. Just making that statement to ourselves or to someone else is totally a false statement in regards to the character of God. God is always faithful and he is always present. That's just who he is. Brothers and sisters, we are not being ignored. We are being loved. We need to instead look up and say, thank you, Father. Enough of the complaining. Complaining is the anti-gospel that crushes your soul and sucks the life out of you. And the more, the, pre- the more you preach that anti-gospel to yourself, the less productive you become as a child of our good and gracious Father. The more unproductive you become as a godly husband or godly wife or godly parent or godly friend. A good reminder of these times is the story of Job. Remember what Job's friends said to him? Man, God's mad at you. He must not be happy with you. But that wasn't the case, was it? God was refining Job. God was wanting Job to trust him no matter what he had to go through. And in the end, Job saw that. And he saw that his friends were were preaching an anti-gospel to him. They weren't being honest with Job. Now let's look at Mark 6. The disciples had been seeing, had seen Jesus do many miracles up to this point. They had seen Jesus raise a little girl from the dead. From the dead. The disciples had seen Jesus raise a little girl from the dead. They had seen him feed a multitude. They had seen him heal a demon-possessed man. Yet in this moment, they totally lost heart in Jesus and what they had seen. What does this remind you of? It reminds us of me. It reminds us of you. What do we do most naturally when these difficult times hit? We freak out, don't we? Just as, just like I walked you through my time this past spring and this summer. We immediately run to that because that's what feels natural to us. We complain, we worry. We turn to our functional idols. We turn inward and get depressed. Think about it for a moment. What do you do when difficult times hit? What happens to you when these storms hit? I'm going to read verse 50 again. It says, For they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Does Jesus stand from the side of the boat and bark orders at them, telling them to calm down, quit freaking out? Does he call them idiots? Does he say, I can't believe you are acting this way? No, he doesn't. He didn't respond to them like this. What we see in Jesus, Jesus, our Savior, their Savior, our Messiah, he extends them grace. He says, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. He immediately speaks words of grace. He immediately reminds them of how he has invaded their lives. He reminds them of how no matter what storm they are in, that they are never alone. We're never alone. No matter how much we feel that. He reminds them of who he is. He says, it is I. What's he saying there? He says, he's saying to them, the I am is here. God is here. The God of this storm is here. The God who controls everything is here. I am is here. The sustainer, the healer, 
the sovereign over all things, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. The I am is here and nothing will ever be the same. I am is here. He is speaking these words to them. The wind is still raging. Why? It's because sometimes we need to see the storm to see the glory of the Lord and the grace of the Lord. Sometimes we need the storm. And in those moments where we feel like we have no control and we are freaking out over the the situations of life, it's in these moments where the glory and the grace of our Messiah are seen in its most beautiful relief. That's grace. And in our life, we hit these places of laziness and selfishness and pride and complacency. And in these times, we are not standing in awe of the gospel. We needed the storm to see and be reminded of the glory and the grace. He's after our hearts. Sometimes he takes us through storms because he's after our heart. Because we're not in awe of him at that moment. And we need to be reminded of his glory and grace. We need to, not in these moments, start complaining. Don't moan and groan. Instead, get on your face. Go to Him in prayer and worship. Go to Him for help. And y'all, you know, I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself. Because this is what I had to continually preach to myself. Go to Him for help. Go to His Word. Go to His truth. Go to what is real. Who is like our God, full of grace and mercy? Preach these truths to yourself. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Remember, this is not our home. We're only passing through. We're here temporarily. Psalm says this life is like a vapor. We're here for a moment and we're gone. We're gone into eternity. That's a long time. Eternity is a long time. We have to preach this to ourselves. Remembering how He has rescued us from sin and death. Verse 51. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. It says they were utterly astounded and amazed, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. This situation should not have been one of amazement. Just by definition, the word amazed means overwhelmed overwhelmingly surprised or astonished. This was not a moment of faith for them. It was a moment of terror and panic. Mark wants us to see the clear distinction between amazement and faith. You can be amazed by the great story of redemption and think to yourself, man, that's a cool story. You can have a head knowledge of the gospel story and not be living by faith. There's a huge difference between amazement and faith. Amazement is something you do with your brain. Faith is an investment of your heart that alters the way you live. That's a huge difference. And we struggle with that constantly, don't we? We do just like the disciples did. We get terrified and we panic. We freak out. We forget who God is. We forget who Jesus is. Mark goes on to talk about how they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Why does Mark want us to know this? Heart of stone. He wants us to give, give, this, give us a picture of a stony heart. Picture uh, a rock, and now picture me trying to press in on this rock and shape 
this rock. I can't do it, can I? I can't physically push on a rock and mold it to what I want it to be. So nothing happens. The rock is hard. It is resistant to change. And Mark wants us to see that the disciples' hearts have become like this. And God wants us to realize that our hearts become like this. Our hearts get hardened, don't they? Back this spring, my heart was hardened. I wanted control. The disciples had become comfortable with where they were in regards to Jesus. They had got to follow him around and watch him do awesome stuff. They got to hear him preach to thousands of people. They got got too comfortable with that. But Jesus wanted so much more for these guys. He wanted to instill in them a heart of faith. Faith that would alter the way they lived and the way they saw all of their life. He wants to do that with us. Right now, are you satisfied with the way that life is? Do you just want a peaceful life? Do you want a comfortable life? Do you have a hard heart? Are you resistant to change? The reason we become hard-hearted is simply because we don't like God's hands on our life. We don't like him messing with us, do we? We don't like him taking us through things to teach us things. We like to think we can just do things on our own and we'll be just fine. And if we would just be honest, we would tell God to just leave us alone and let me have this easy life that I desire. This is hardness of heart. And we all struggle with that, don't we? I know I do. And I'm just being honest. I want things the way Sean wants things. If I'm honest with myself and with with God, I don't want to be stretched. But I know if I want to be more like Jesus, I have to be stretched. I have to be shaped by him. Is this gospel story something that you think to yourself? It sounds cool. I love the story. I like hearing people talk about the Bible. But is the gospel transforming your life? Is the gospel daily transforming your life? Is it really authoring the way that you live your life? Is the gospel the lens and the filter that you live all of life through? I want us right now to think through this. And I I mentioned this earlier. I think it was Sunday at the 11 o'clock service. But really thinking through who in your life lies to you the most. And we talked about it a little bit in the 11 o'clock service. We do. I lie and complain to myself more than anybody else has my whole life. And that's why it's so important to preach the gospel to myself on a daily basis. Because every day I wake up, what's there? There's me. There's my flesh. There's the world calling me away from Jesus. There's temptations from Satan just being dangled out in front of me. And it's so easy to believe the lies that I tell myself. The complaining. Because most of the time when I'm complaining... I'm the only one that'll listen. Just be on, being honest. If I start complaining, Bethany, she's like, mm-mm. Nope, don't want to hear it. And I need to preach the gospel to myself. The answer is us. We lie to ourselves the most. You are the one that has complained to yourself the most. That's why it's so important. I'm going to keep saying it. That's why it's so important to preach the gospel to yourself. Cry out to him for help. Help from yourself. And grace to really see in those storms what he is trying to produce in us. Ultimately, he desires to produce men and women of faith 
we have to continually remember how much He loves us. He loves us. Jesus loves us, y'all. Every day we have to keep saying that to ourselves. Jesus loves me. It's hard right now, but He loves me. He's rescued me from sin. He's rescued me from darkness. I was a child of wrath. Bound and determined to make my own way. But he changed all that. And he loves me. We have to continually remember that. Whatever storms we go through. Whatever it is. Daily preach the gospel to yourself. Right now I want to watch a video together. And I want us to really listen to these words. It's a worship song. And in the middle of the worship song, um, there's going to be a pastor that comes in and he's going to be speaking on it. Continually remember how much he loves us. And remember the gospel. Let's watch.
Not only is all your affliction momentary, not only is all your affliction light in comparison to eternity and the glory there, but all of it is totally meaningful. Every millisecond of your pain from the fallen nature or fallen man, every millisecond of your misery in the path of obedience is producing a peculiar glory you will get because of that. I don't care if it was cancer or criticism. I don't care if it was slander or sickness. It wasn't meaningless. It's doing something. It's not meaningless. Of course you can't see what it's doing. Don't look to what is seen. When your mom dies, when your kid dies, when you've got cancer at 40, when a car careens into the sidewalk and takes her out, don't say, it's meaningless. It's not. It's working for you an eternal weight of glory. Therefore, therefore, do not lose heart, but take these truths and day by day focus on them. Preach them to yourself every morning. Get alone with God and preach His Word into your mind until your heart sings with confidence that you are new and cared for. loves us. Isaiah 53, 4 through 6 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Remember the gospel constantly. What storms is he bringing you through right now? And what are you preaching to yourself? I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to ask Herbert to come up. And we're going to have one last song. But ask yourself, what what message are we preaching to ourselves? And do we realize He never stops loving us? No matter what we're going through. He loves us. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You so much for loving us. And you continually show us that. But a lot of times, Father, we're, we're not there to listen. Or we, won't, we don't want to pay attention. Or the hurt is so bad that we just want to hold on to the hurt. And sometimes the hurt and depression and the sadness becomes our friend. Which is crazy to think about. But it happens to us. We don't want to let go of the pain. We don't want to let go of the frustration. 
because we have control over those things. We can continue to be mad. We continue to hold on to things tightly. But Father, you want us to just release. You want us to just look to you and allow you to lead the way. You want to continually show us how much you love and care for us. And I pray that we would do that. Father, I pray tonight, I I know there are people sitting in here right now that are hurting. That don't feel the love right now. And I pray that you would just allow them to release that to you. Cry out to you for help. Help us to be thankful for the storms and the refinement that goes along with that. Father, that's grace. And Lord, I can honestly say right now, I can thank you for the things that you have taught me during these storms. Though going into them, it does, it it freaks me out. But the more I grow in grace, the more I'm grown into the likeness of your son, the more I realize quickly and right off from the beginning of the storm how much I need you. Help us all to get to that place, Father. Lord, I thank you so much for Jesus, and I thank you for loving us. Help us to feel that tonight. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Kind of most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, what a privilege it has been to be in your house tonight, Father, as the bread of life has been broken to us. Lord, we thank you so much for the message, Lord, that was delivered. Father, we just pray that we can realize, Lord, that we need to let you be in control and not us, Father. We need to let you lead the way and we need to follow, Lord. We need to surrender each and everything to you, Father, and ask that you work your will. Lord, we thank you so much that you love us. We thank you so much that you sent your son, Jesus, Father, that he might die on the cross that we would have a way to you, Father. Thank you again for all your blessings, Father. We just pray that you bless this revival service. Continue to move among us. Might we feel you each and every night, Father. Go with us now and dismiss us with your blessing. In the precious name of the Savior, Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.